It's Off Exit 10, presented by Capital District Sport and Fitness. Dietitian. I feel like that's always the first question everyone asks me. <laughs> Sorry to repeat. No, it's all fine. The it's just funny. Um, I feel like as I've become a mom, it's like I've become less sassy and more soft. So I'm like, am I living up to this? I don't know. Um, but it started when I worked in the hospital as a dietitian because I didn't take no for an answer, and I literally would sass the doctors because you know you have doctors walking in with like a Coca Cola, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like here we are trying to improve people's health and get them out of the hospital as quick as possible. So I would print out research articles. I would like call consults. I don't know if they loved or hated me, um, but then that that was like the start of it. And then I decided I wanted to start my private practice. And if you ever want to know how people perceive you, go and ask your friends the three adjectives to describe you. That's what I did. I learned a lot about myself. And sassy was one that just like kept coming up and was like unique enough that I hadn't heard like anyone use that. So that's pretty much how it came to be. I like was like, all right, I'm a dietitian. I want people to know I'm a dietitian. And apparently my friends think I'm sassy. So... That was your intention with asking them to help you figure out a name? Yeah. And I, because I wanted it to be like, I wanted it to fit my personality and fit what I was trying to do, which what I was trying to do was get good information out there. Because when I was in the hospital, we had like terrible handouts to give people. I I honestly, I got in trouble from my boss because I wasn't handing out the handouts that I was supposed to. I wasn't offering Ensure or Glucerner or any of those terrible drinks. So I would get in (laughs) trouble. Um, so yeah, it was like my personality obviously shown through and it was it was a fun way to like come up with a name because I was stuck. I was like, I don't know, I'm just Laura. Like Well, and- that stuck because I think when I was first like sent your way or put on to you was through Pat Suarez. Yeah. And he was like, you know, the sassy dietitian. I was like, Pat, what are you what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally my fr- so I've only lived here only. I've lived here like eleven years. And that started in 2014. So what is that? I can't do math. Nine years ago? Yeah. Um, And so most of my friends call me sass or sassy. Like when people say Laura, they're like, who? (laughs) Like, (laughs) so it literally has like become my persona in my real life and on social media and my business. Yeah, that's a, I mean, we could get, we'll go, we can go on and on. And I'm sure we'll touch on points about our medical system here and what that it's good in ways but there's a there's a lot of downsides to it but yeah you have the majority of doctors i'm just thinking of docs i've seen in my life like not in the greatest shape they probably mm-hmm. eat poor they have poor sleep uh and then you're put in this world where you're promoting health to people is that so hard for you to be we talked a little bit off air but to work in our medical so system hard. it was so hard I moved here because thanks to my husband like he was already here and so clinical was like the way they tell you to go as a dietitian right you like start in a hospital so I was like all right I'll start here and it was sucking the life out of me to the point where I was like having anxiety and panic attacks which I never had because um, no one cares that mm-hmm. you're there they're like cool can you get me like a diet coke and I'm like can we not can we get you like a piece of fruit <laughs> You know, Um, and the doctors, especially at that time, didn't care, like unless you were someone providing critical care. So like a tube feed or 
TPN, which is through the veins, like most of them didn't care. They were like, okay, you're dietary, like no big deal. And, you know, that I'm literally, I would watch the doctors go out for smoke breaks and to drink Coke. And I'm like, seriously, Mm -hmm. like you're supposed to be. And and I think what kills me is that the majority of Americans look up to their doctor. If their doctor tells them something, it is the holy grail. And I'm like, how could you look at this person and want to replicate what they're doing? You know, like I wouldn't. No, but you, in our medical system, you have to be very proactive and having some baseline of education yourself is going to help you do that or having confidence in yourself or the personality that that is willing to push back and ask questions. But you're right. A lot of people are passive and they're looking at authority figures and just following or listening or doing exactly how they're told. Yeah, they don't ask why. Like I, I work with mostly women and anytime they come back with what their doctor told them, I'm like, did you get a reason why? Like, why did they run that test or why did they not run that test or why do you have like migraines have been coming up a lot for clients and I'm like did you ask them why they think they're starting they're like no they just gave me meds and I'm like that to me is lazy medicine like why aren't we digging deeper into why like of course there could be a diagnosis a genetic anomaly like you know a, a chronic illness but we're not asking the deeper questions we're just taking it face value and being like hey great here's a med Right. Well, I think we saw that with COVID. Like, there's a time when everybody stopped, and there's this sickness going around our country. And if you're in better health, better shape, you're likely to fare better with it. That you never heard anything talked about about let's get more activity, let's get more vitamin D, let's hydrate better, let's eat better food. It was like uh, let's wait for a pill and a shot to come out, and then move on, and we'll be okay. And then you see it now with these diabetes meds being used. Mm-hmm for weight loss how much have you looked into that it's the bane of my existence because i haven't looked into it a lot people ask in here and i just don't uh, let's talk uh, let's talk on that that's where we are now it's the bane of your existence it's literally the bane of my existence right now um eli Lilly just came out with their i forget what it's called it's like zip something they just came out with it this week so there's another one on the market um and it's infuriating and you know, I'm not anti-medication, but these pills, they, well, they're injections for most the most part, are mm-hmm. being handed out like candy. And they're originally created for diabetes Correct. treatment. Correct. Um, they were met, and and they have helped, um, but pe- people realize that not only were their blood sh- or their A1Cs, which is your three month marker of blood sugar control, were they going down? They were also losing weight. And so anytime in the history of anything that we found that weight loss is a side effect, everybody jumps on it. And of course, you know, you could go into the whole big pharma debate. They're jumping on it because there's money involved. A lot of money on it. And doctors, there's money on it for them as well. Well, and doctors, you know, I I have empathy for doctors because first off, they're over they're overrun. They're seeing when I was in the hospital, I was seeing 20 patients a day. That's not sustainable. 100%. Think about the docs we have that work out here. Overrun. Oh, yeah. yeah they come in, and I'm like, what are we going to do today? Do you, you, know, a, we'll, you want to take a nap? We'll foam roll a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> do you, you want to talk about it? Yeah, like, that's a great okay? point. And you know what? They're, they're people that care. Right. They care. They're just, they're just overworked. Like I remember one and, guy came yeah. in, and he was just like, he grabbed all his stuff. Walked over to like the oh. boxes over there, yeah. and he's like, "I'm not doing this today." And put all this stuff back and left. Well, like, and I was like, fair. "All right, dude, I'll I'll, I'll uh, k- sign you out, and uh, you're good to go." Yeah. 
And it's just like, you know, you're when you're overworked like that, sometimes you can't even take care of yourself too. Right. Which then like how are they supposed to take care of the rest of the people? Right. And, so true. And then their education also lacks. And in the nutri- on the nutritional front. Yeah, because they're getting most of their education from pharmaceutical companies. Right, who's going in and buying them lunch? Yeah, when we companies. when we we had our daughter nine months ago, so we ended up being there for a handful of days. So I uh, I walked down once like the food area to get myself a sub, and and something to drink, and I look at the table next to me, and I'm like, what is going on right now? And it's like three young sales reps pitching some doctor on his lunch break. And I was like, oh, this is intriguing. This is awkward. This is weird. <laughs> It's intriguing, and I just yeah watched it the whole time. But it's like, yeah, a couple younger, attractive women and some guy with a notebook, and they're just pitching away. And that's their honestly their major source of education right now, which is terrifying, because of course that's going to lead to biased care. And I will shout out: there are some amazing practitioners who are doing the work, who are walking the walk, talking the talk, further educating themselves. And there are some of them in our area. There, we're definitely slower to progress here than some of the major cities, but they exist. And so I have the empathy for those doctors and practitioners who are burnt out, but I'm also like, okay, and you're allowing this to be the way it is. Like, we can do better. Is here behind, we lived in Boston for six, six, seven years. Are we behind, because I feel the same orthopedically, that here is behind in terms yes. of patient care and, and, sur- and surgical techniques and... Uh, di- diagnosis is it because there's less competition that uh, why is it like that that Eric this is so behind a Boston or I wish I knew yeah yeah no but we <laughs> I just mean, feel the definitely, same way you look at some of like so I came from Chicago the Chicago okay. area mm-hmm. for grad school and same thing as Boston you also just have higher level care there right, right. like you have I yeah. was at University of Chicago yeah, think for, about all the universities yeah. in those yeah, areas they're doing they're like University of Chicago was doing um, fecal transplant which is basically like inserting someone else's stool into your body to re-inoculate your gut, which is wild that one can do that. But like I mentioned that here. You ever thought I'm... about that, Paul? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's really it's it's cool when you're like not in it. You're like that's gross. But like it's cool that that can be done. And I got a job here, and the first thing they told me they were like, "Okay, we want to hire you, but we do paper charting. Can you handle that?" And I was like. Okay, so I just came from a system where they were doing like cutting edge research. Everything was electronic, like every doctor's note, every PT note, like I could see everything, every all the history. And now I'm going and digging through charts and trying to understand doctor's notes. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I can handle this, but like that's how far behind we were. So it's it's terrible. And I mean, you even see it with like food establishments, right? When I moved here, there was no Whole Foods. There was no Trader Mm. Joe's. Like even the grocery stores Mm -hmm. were behind. Whole Foods. I was in my early 20s just making some, just enough money to pay rent. There's a Whole Foods down the road. And the amount of fucking money I spent at Whole Foods, (laughs) I look back, I'm like, I could have, you know, I could have had much better things, but I was ripping into Whole Foods Yeah, but you were investing in your health, right? Yeah, true. I think we look at that backwards. Or I thought I was cool and I was going to Whole Foods. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, I mean, you even look at just the landscape of that kind of stuff here and like even restaurants. Like I remember being like, where do we go to eat? Like I'm not going to an Applebee's. (laughs) Or a Chili's. Yeah, like, and so that landscape has changed, but it is it's so far behind the major cities. Yeah. Okay. So back to like the Ozempic. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. And the other things that are the bane of your your existence. <laughs> What's the mechanism <clears throat> physiologically that's going on in terms of 
as a diabetes med. I don't know the full mechanism. Yeah. I'll be upfront about that. They're GLP-1, so they are somehow acting upon the brain and I believe other systems in the body. So what, reduce hunger signals? Yeah, so a lot of people say that like their food noise, quote unquote, is like lessened. And I, I work in a space where I'm building better relationships with food mm-hmm. with people who come from like disordered eating. And the food noise is loud because we're disordered in the way that we eat. Do I believe that there's probably a small percentage of the population who, who has that no matter how they eat? Probably. I don't want to discount that. But the amount of people who are saying that like, oh, it's reduced food noise. And I'm like, but is that a good thing? Like now you're so detached from your hunger and satiety. You have no idea how much your body actually needs. So it's the type of thing, though, if you go off of this medication, all of those signals are going to come right back. Hence, probably weight's going to come back on. Correct. If you don't have good habits and yep. relationship and you right. haven't addressed those but things. But we're not fixing the underlying issues. So we're basically putting a Band-Aid on a fire hose and hoping that it sticks. Right. And because these are being overprescribed, people can't access them anymore. And so people are now being put on different medications. Like I think Contrave is one of them, and I forget the mechanism. But once again, it's like acting upon the brain. And... Um, it's a lesser version. So now people are getting a lesser effect and it's not working. And so they had all this success losing like 30 pounds on Ozempic or Rigovi or one of them. And now they're on a lesser drug and it's not working. And so they're told to just like wait it out as opposed to like, hey, what are you do? What are you currently eating? What do you, are you currently moving your body? Like, what's your stress? Like, what's your sleep? Like, we're not asking those questions. Right, because that's hard work. Well, okay, so you go from the hospital setting. Do we know side effects of these medications or no? We're starting to see some really terrible side effects. So what are some of them? Um, One of the major ones is irreversible gastroparesis, which is basically like slowing of the um, like gastric or digestive system. Mm-hmm. So basically food just like sits in your stomach now, um, which creates fullness. It can create digestive issues, constipation, diarrhea, depending on the person. A lot of poop talk, Paul. A lot of poop My wife's talk a dietitian too. too, and yeah, it's like poop talk's normal. Now we have a daughter. We have <laughs> yeah, a, once yeah, you have a kid, we have a baby. Like and Sam's a dietitian, so it's just like poop talk all day. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's what I talk about. I mean, what goes in must come out, right? So like, yeah, you got you got to assess it. Everybody yep. poops, Paul. Everybody does yep. poop. As my son says, he's two and a half. He goes, "Mommy, sometimes everybody poops. Sometimes," and I'm like, "That's accurate." Shout out, you nothing. You're not wrong. <laughs> Toddlers are the best. They'll re- repeat things back to you, and you're like, "I guess I do." Say they're that. so honest. They <laughs> so don't really. The just... mimicking is great. Like 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 our daughter just like you know mumbles and she'll mimic your movements. Yeah, they're watching. She loves our phone, and that's so scary. I need to just not be on the phone with her. Yeah. Like, she'll throw a fit if she sees me on it. I set it down. She crawls to it. I put it away. It's like all hell is breaking loose. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you could literally start talking about... They're literally running trials right now on these drugs on six and unders, on these weight loss injections. That's, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. There's also what? studies on pregnant women, which is, once again, terrifying. terrifying. Um, but you... Then Why would you need to run these on six and unders? That's what people aren't asking. They're not asking the question of like, why would a six and under need this? Why are we not, you know, improving their lifestyle? Like, are they stuck on tablets all day? Are they stuck on phones all day? Like, you could go to that route, right? Of like, they're so sedentary that of course, and it's not their fault, they're six. Like, they don't have control over what goes in their body. Yeah, I mean, when Jay, when we were in our elementary middle school years, we 
played on our Game Boys. We, yeah, we played outside a lot, but we ate Lunchables and kids' cuisines and mm-hmm. bologna sandwiches. Like, we just, our parents didn't know better. We didn't know better, but it's like, you're being a kid. Yeah, but we were outside a lot. Oh, we played outside a lot. Oh, oh. our parents kicked <laughs> us outside all the time. It was like, come back for dinner. Yeah, that was that, <laughs> instead of being like, here's a tablet, yeah. they'd be like, go yeah, outside, com- come back in like six hours. Yeah, and we didn't have tons of piece. toys. No. It was just like, go figure it out. So no, you're like we're, playing ridiculous games with your neighbors. We're the la- we were the last generation of the just go figure it out outside and yeah. come back later. Well, that's part of the problem too. Like you could look at this from a socioeconomic problem too, right? It's systemic. There's not access to healthy food or even safe outside space to play for a lot of these populations. And then you look to those who do have the financial capacity and they're stuck on tablets all day. They're stuck inside all day. They're, you know, their parents are busy because they're both working. And yeah, so I mean, right. So to, many issues. Yeah, to live to live now comfortably for the most people need a two, two, you know, two person income. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. So there's there's so many reasons as to like <laughs> I just keep saying, like, how did we get here? I think I say that at least once a day because it's terrifying. Like, it's terrifying that I'm constantly having these conversations and so where I see it come in is I work with mostly women and sometimes their partners and their boyfriends and their guy friends come in because they're like, oh, she's seeing results. Let me check this out. Um, but the problem is, is that they're being offered these meds by their doctors when weight wasn't even a topic of discussion. They were going in for a completely different reason. So because there's incentive by the docs to prescribe? It's because I think doctors want results. Right. Like they're they want to provide their patient with an answer, with a solution to whatever the problem may be. And this new weight loss injection is the answer because that person's going to end up losing 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds. And now most people might actually be happy. Right. Like my population, I think, is a little bit different than the general population. They want to focus on their diet and lifestyle. They want to do this without meds. They want to feel their best. They want to fuel their best. Whereas the average American just wants to lose weight because that's what they've equated with health. That's what they've always been told is their problem. And so doctors are just like, if your BMI is above 27, which is not really that high, you're being offered it. But you're right. It is is systemic. It is Think about advertising on television. It's crappy foods. It's pharmaceuticals. It's quick fixes. It's, yeah, I mean, that's what people are seeing. And if you aren't educated, it's going to be difficult. You're just going to listen to all of those things. And if your doctor is giving you that solution, you think, I guess this is the answer, right? Like, I'll do what my doctor says because they clearly know what's best for me. Right. And, I mean, there's so many different areas that, that, why this is wrong but like dietitians are almost never consulted like your field's interesting our field's interesting we've said before paul oh yeah our field's like the wild west because there's no licensure you have to go through a licensure process so for us it's like there's certain which is a crazy process which like doesn't even matter i'm not sure anymore (laughs) okay because in our field there's certifications people have different certifications they have a very wide range of of education and of knowledge because um, I know people that didn't go to school for this, but they're so great with the psychology. Their people skills are good. Mm-hmm. They know enough to not hurt somebody, and they kill. And they don't have a degree or like a CSCS or some big certification, and they do a great job. You know, we all have degrees and certifications and all the knowledge, and we do a great job. But your field, there's a licensure process. But you said it, you don't think it means much. No, it's not protected. Anybody, anybody 
can offer nutrition coaching. That's okay. That makes your field equally the Wild West because yes. people say, I'm a nutrition coach. I'm a macro mm-hmm. coach. I'm a, you name it. I, I can help you with autoimmune. It's like, right? Hormones. Hormones. Hormones are the biggest one right now. It's crazy. And it, it, it must drive you crazy because what should separate an RD from, I guess, yeah, it's like you can treat people, you can change your nutrition to change your bodies. That drives you crazy then online yes. coaches yes and... absolutely and this is this is where like we were just talking about doctors who are highly qualified right who right. actually have like zero nutrition education requirements and then you go all the way to these other people who are highly uneducated they just maybe their body is their business card right like they look the part yeah so mm-hmm. now they're suddenly a nutrition coach and it's like i don't when i talk about this stuff i don't want it to be like to the point where it's like so protected that there aren't nutrition coaches because I believe that like they can help with the basics. Right. And like, I can't be everywhere. I can't see, I can only see so many patients. And so, but the problem is, is that they, they give too much information. That's not helpful. Right. So now they're trying, they're not taking the, the person into account. They're not recognizing that like, this is a, you know, a 35 year old mom who's exhausted, who can only get to the gym twice a week, who is barely hanging on, like she can't follow macros. That's ridiculous to think that. But there's is, there are things she can do, and she might have other health conditions that aren't being taken into consideration. That's the that's, that's the, the big, big thing, one, yeah. Or other medications that this person's mm-hmm. on. Yeah, and so it almost it's like we we have these like major extremes, right? And it's like I'm constantly talking about like this messy middle, the gray area of like this. We have to live somewhere in here, and people have to have a certification or some licensure. And we have to somehow get it to be more accessible to the masses because we're a very sick country and something has to be done about that. And it's not a weight loss injection. No, no, not at all. Definitely not. No. When did, okay. So there's, there's doing private practice presents its own set of challenges. Now you're not dealing with doctors and, and hospital paperwork that you have to do. Now we're dealing with people and psychology and personalities and behaviors when did you first get into all that dealing with the psychology and working with people and it's hard to basically uh like detach the two and when you're in school to be a dietitian you actually do a lot of um education on counseling very similar to a therapist just less it's a part of your education it's not like the main part of it Um, and what they call um, our main courses were medical nutrition therapy. And so you can't separate the psychology from the diet. And so I was getting frustrated in the hospital because I'm like, I'm not making a difference. Like handing someone a sheet that's low sodium, like what's that going to do for them? It's not going to change their behaviors. It's not going to change their motivation. So I started a private practice on the side when I was in the hospital. And I even look back now and I cringe at some of the things I said, but like, as you know better, you do better. And my belief is if I didn't start with the first patient, I wouldn't have had the, you know, 500th, pa- I don't know how many patients I've had at this point, right. but like, I wouldn't have been able to help the current clients today to the level that I've been at. And the more I'm in this field, the more I realize like how much the psychology matters and how honestly, sometimes that matters more than the actual food. And a lot of times my clients will leave my session and be like, I feel like I just had a therapy session. And I'm like, you know, I don't cross the line. I, I send them out to a therapist because I believe that we need to work in conjunction with the client because they, they have other issues that are not food related. Um, but that stuff matters. And so I feel like the last five, maybe four, 
what what year are we in 2023 <laughs> so probably the last four years have been heavy on me learning more about the psychology and digging more into that digging digging into the nervous system um, i now have a really good colleague and friend who is trauma informed and so she's been educating me a lot and that's kind of my next like if i have time for continuing ed i want to be more trauma informed and just understand more of like why people got to the point that they've gotten to yeah you have people that are so fight or flight all the time they're just like sympathetically driven we see it in here so let's say somebody with chronic pain you know if you're always so fight and flight through past trauma, whether it's physical or emotional or, or an injury. And yeah, you've never really dealt with that. Like, it's going to be hard for us to, to do our fullest, do our best job in here. Hard for them to learn, hard for them to change their movement patterns, hard for them to change their habits. It's a big piece. But at the same time, one of my um, friends is a PA, and she's always saying, too, like, why aren't we referring out to personal trainers, too? Because yes, they might be stuck in fight or flight, but imagine if they had that outlet. Right. Right? Like mm -hmm. it's this, while this can become, you know, stress is from everywhere and your body doesn't know the difference between a good stressor and a bad stressor. So certainly exercise could be a part of that problem. But I also believe it's a big part of the solution. Like how many Americans are not stepping foot into a gym because they don't know how mm -hmm. or their doctor has never told them the importance of it. You know, like I feel like movement changes my life. I, I can't imagine my life without it. And so that's a whole nother area. That's not even my expertise. Right. But like if my clients aren't moving, we're, we're figuring out a way to get them to move because it's a part of not only them, you know, helping with blood sugar management and muscle and all of that or body composition, I should say. It's also going to help with their nervous system if they can figure out a way to do it in a healthful manner. The supplement industry is like the Wild West. The lack of regulations mean the supplements you purchase may not even contain the ingredients listed on the label, which is why I get my daily vitamins and supplements from Thorne. Thorne vitamins and supplements are made without compromise. Quality ingredients ensure your body optimally absorbs and digests your daily supplements, while in-house and third-party testing ensure you're getting exactly what you paid for. Thorne offers a variety of health tests reviewed by board-certified physicians that evaluate your lifestyle, gut health, sleep, stress hormones, and metabolic markers to determine which vitamins and supplements may be most effective in helping you feel and perform better throughout the day. For college and professional athletes, Thorne has NSF-certified supplements that make sure you won't get pop positive on a drug test. Whether you're an athlete, professional, parent, grandparent, or weekend warrior, Thorne's selection of high-quality supplements can help improve your quality of life. Switch to Thorne's high-quality and extensive Extensively tested supplements today at thorn.com backslash you backslash CDSF. That's thorn.com backslash you backslash CDSF. This episode of Off Exit 10 is brought to you by Anchor and the all-new Anchor Pro. Crafted to endure the most high-performance workouts without the high cost and space requirements of a standard cable machine. Named the best portable cable machine by Men's Health Home Gym Awards, Anchor provides the full functionality of a cable machine in one small space-saving unit. Designed with user-friendliness in mind, Anchor can simply be attached to any squat rack or placed on any wall in your home gym using its intuitive sliding track mount. With up to 65 pounds of resistance, Anchor is built for high-speed and controlled exercises alike, from cable presses and rows to chops and lifts. The Anchor has been a game-changer for us here at CDSF, and now you can enjoy the same professional-quality cable machine in your own home gym by heading over to anchortraining.com and using code CDSF10 for 10% off your order today. Get all the benefits of a cable machine without the high-cost installation fees. Enjoy the portable luxury and space-saving performance of Anchor today by going to anchortraining.com and using code CDSF10 at checkout. That's anchortraining.com promo code CDSF10 for 10% off your order today.
What's your intake when you have somebody new come to you? Like, what are they going through? What information are you gathering? Everything. It Every year it gets longer. And I will say that, like, I've just, I've hit the jackpot with clients. I have people who are just ready. Like, they will spend an hour on their intake form so that I have all this information. And then we spend an hour plus together in their first consultation reviewing it and digging even deeper because i've always found that like you have to ask certain questions like 10 different ways to get the actual answer like if you ask someone what they eat they'll they're likely won't tell you what they drink not because they're trying to not tell you but like in their mind they're just telling you the food they have no idea that the calories or the content of their liquids are just as important (laughs) so i mean i'm asking past medical history medication supplements past diets relationship with food, um, their family history, their stress, their sleep, their movement patterns, their goals, their, you know, I mean, literally, I I don't even know how long it is at this point. Um, But the more information I have, the more I can help somebody. I always tell people, I'm like, more information doesn't scare me. It doesn't mean that I can always do something with it, but I can help give you direction too. I can, I, one of my biggest strengths, I think, is referring out and making sure that my clients are not only seeing me, but they're seeing a team of people that's going to help improve their overall life. Right. And then how do you know where to start? Because we talked about macronutrients and macro coaching, but to you, that's not the foundation. No. No. I basically, I wish there was a way for me to, I don't know how to explain this like visually. I'm not like a graphic designer, but I probably should find someone who can do this for me. But the way I talk to my clients is first we have to build rebuild your relationship with food. And while we're doing that, we'll optimize health at the same time. And so I like to think about like your nutrition as a house and we have to demolish it. We have to completely destroy it for most people because they come from a background of Weight Watchers or Whole30 or Keto or Macros or whatever it may be. But that's what's hard too with nutrition is there's just so much information yes. out there. It's like overload and it's overwhelming and people don't know. And that to stuff start. to me is what I call the furnishing of the house. That stuff can be supportive once we have a solid foundation around food, once we understand what the basics are and we recognize that it's not all or nothing. So we end up basically going from the ground up. We build a foundation. We build the walls around the house. We put a roof on. We put the, the walls in, the doors on, the windows in. And that's all stuff like, are you just are you eating breakfast when you wake up? Do you know what to eat for breakfast? Are you planning ahead? How do you grocery shop? Who's doing the grocery shopping? Like All these things that no one's ever asked them, they've just handed them a meal plan or a macro and that to me is like the couch if you don't have the walls and the roof and the windows in the second a storm hits so the second your life gets hard that couch is ruined and so that stuff never sticks which is why people are constantly going on and off diets that stuff never works because we never took into consideration like how do we talk about food how do we think about food how do we plan for food how do we eat our food like for so many of my women, I work with a lot of postpartum women, they're not sitting down to eat, which I now 1000% understand. When you have a toddler, you're like, when is me time? And so you have to, I changed the way I eat, but now based on when I had no kids. And I'm sure once I have this next kid, like I'm gonna have to relearn again. Mm-hmm. And so nobody takes the time to recognize how important those values are. And so many of my women say like, my energy has improved, my bloat has improved, my digestion improves, my sleep improves, because they're actually like, able to eat one get food on the table and two actually digest and absorb their food as they were intended right but it's hard because you have to really reset somebody's mind because i feel like when you talk to somebody about nutrition paul Mm -hmm. their brain goes to macros and meal plans 
tell me what to eat. Like, this is what they, ex do you feel like that's what people expect from you or you've kind of created your brand enough and who you yeah. are that people don't come to you and they're not expecting not that? Not anymore. It used to be that. And did it that drive you crazy? Yes. Okay, because, yeah, let's talk about that because it's like, so when I talk to Sam, who does nutrition here, I think that's something that she's struggling or we're struggling here is that that's what people are expecting. Yeah. Here's your macros and then here's a meal plan that we're going to give you. This is what you're going to eat. And a session is not that. It's getting to know somebody, talking to them about habits, learning their relationship with food. And sometimes they come away maybe feeling like that's not what I thought I was paying for. How did you go from people expecting that to where you are now? I think my social media presence has helped. People know what they're getting into by the time they meet me. Or they're they're the partners, so their partners have like warned them, like, you know, you're not going to get a macro macro counter or meal plan. Mm -hmm. um, but it's still, there's still, I will say, like, around the two or three month mark when I'm working with someone, they it comes back. They're like, okay, but when am I going to, when are you going to tell me what or how much to eat? And it's not to say I withhold that from people. A lot of times I educate them on how they can figure that out on their own. But it's like that saying, right? Like, if you teach a person to fish, they can feed their family or whatever. Like, if you just fish for them, like they're never going to know what they're doing. So do most people have an unrealistic expectation of weight loss, like how quickly it's going to happen? Yes. I mean, think about it. The biggest loser is one of the like prominent media sources of weight loss, right? Is that still a show? <laughs> no way. That's still I, I don't a think show. It is. But, yeah. but, but for mo so most, I, I would say, I guess most of my clients, right? Like 25 to, I don't know, 55. That's what they think of. That's where their mm -hmm. head goes because that's what they grew up with. That's what they grew up around. And not to mention, like, once again, weight is what their doctor focuses on as health. The first thing you do when you walk into a doctor's office is what? Your like weight. Height and weight. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> the, height, right? the height gets me because I haven't grown since eighth grade. Yeah, I'm, so like, I'm, like, I'm, the same, I'm the same height, dude. I'm 33. I haven't grown. I'm yeah. still waiting for it. You're like, if anything, I'm probably shrinking, but yeah. it's fine. But that's – so people don't know any better, and they think that, okay – if I'm if I start doing everything right and my weight changes, my health will change. There's this, this like direct correlation in everybody's mind. It's because I mean that's how it's always been, right? If you know if you grew up in the '90s and 2000s, there was Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, Nutrisystem, like that's so true. It's that correlation of my weight is my health, correct? Right. And I remember earlier you said BMI, the amount of clients I would get in when I lived in New York City that focused so much on that, and I would just tell them I'm like. My BMI is like 32 or 31. And I'm like, am I overweight? And they'd be like, no. And I'm like, don't focus on the weight. Like some people, yes, it was important to focus on losing some weight. But sure. most people, it was like, let's focus on like feeling better, moving better, seeing like changes in our body composition, that kind of stuff. And then we'll go from there. So it's like BMI one, is not to be all One of my favorite um, professors once said, you guys have to do the eye test. And we're all like, we're not in ophthalmology. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and she's like, just look at your patient. It'll tell you so much. And I always to this day am thankful that she said that and drilled that into us because it's true. Like, you cannot tell somebody's health by their weight. You most certainly can tell someone's health by looking at them if you have a trained eye, right? I'm to the point in my career where, like, I can look at someone and be like, they're likely pretty healthy. Is there something they're struggling with? Maybe. You can't always take it at face value. But, like, I can't look at you and I don't know any of your weights. I live in the health field, and I could look at the three of you, and I would never know. Like, I would probably guess wrong on all of you because it doesn't matter to the extent that we 
think it does. And even I think the Academy of one of the academies for um, medicine just came out saying that BMI is no longer a standard, a gold standard. That's good then. And yet it's still being used. Right. That's not good then. <laughs> no. Um, and it's it's incredibly frustrating. And as I always say, I have two sayings that I think are important and maybe helpful for people. But like weight is one metric of health. It's not the metric of health. So it's not to say, like you said, like it's not to say we're ignoring it. There are some people who are truly impacted by the weight on their body, right? Like you guys probably see it more than I see it because you're with people every day moving their body and it does impact range of motion and impacts mm -hmm. what they're able to do how they're recovering and so it's not to say it doesn't matter but it's not the only metric of health mm -hmm. and a lot of times when people come to me i always tell them weight loss is not guaranteed in my program it's not something we necessarily focus on weight is an outcome not a goal and what i mean by that is if we sit here and say i want to lose 10 pounds it sounds like it's motivating but it's not because what does that even mean? Like, where are you gonna be at 10 pounds from now? Do you know? Like, do you know if you're gonna feel better? Do you know if you're gonna be stronger? Do you, like, what if instead you stayed the same weight and you got stronger, you had more energy, you were sleeping better, your libido went up? Like, there's so many things that could improve and weight may never change. It's an outcome, not a goal. Right, are you using quantifiable things then other than weight when you're working with people early on? I used to do more like measurements, I don't. What I'm focusing on is like, what is your win? Right. Every time we check in, it's like, what is your win? And in the beginning, people are like, nothing. And I'm like, I'll dig some out of you. Don't you worry. <laughs> but like, I have clients who like had headaches every day and they no longer have a headache. And they're like, I haven't had a headache in weeks. And I'm like, isn't that amazing? Like, I have one headache and I think the world's ending. Like, I'm not a headache person. I don't get them. And when I do, I think the world's ending. Um, and so I'm like, that's not a way to live your life. Energy is improving. Like, not feeling like you need a 2 p.m. nap. Actually sleeping through the night. Those things, they're not necessarily, like, quantifiable, but they're qualitative, right? They And for most people, that's more motivating. Right. Right? Like, if you feel better, your life is so Easier. Yeah, you're going to be more productive at work. You're probably going to be a better uh, a spouse or partner and a better parent and a better friend. Yeah, you have a much better quality of life. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you're the only person who knows how you feel. And I think that's pretty cool. Whereas, like, wait, what does that tell me about you? It's, it's your, literally your relationship to gravity. Right. It doesn't tell me much at all. It tells me just, okay, cool. Like, that's how much you weigh. But how do you feel? And so we often have to like separate that for a lot of my clients because there's the other problem of people have forever equated how they feel with their weight. So they step on the scale and the second they do that, their self-worth goes down the drain because they expected it to be, you know, 150 and now it's 160 and now they think they're worthless and that they're a failure and that they're unhealthy. But if you ask them how they were feeling beforehand, they might have told you they felt amazing. Right. Are there, so with women that you work with and when they first start working with you, are there common things that you feel like common issues with their relationship with food that you see a lot? Yes. What are, what are some of those things? A lot is like negative talk, negative self-talk. A lot of this was I'm good or this was good or I'm bad or this was bad. Like we're labeling food and habits as good versus bad as just like instead of them just being neutral. Like food is food. It doesn't have any moral value. Um, and a lot of people have, they, as I would say, they should all over themselves. They literally just like, you More know, poop talk. <laughs> they should, they should do this. They should do that. 
I, sh- I know I should do better. I know as opposed to, okay, but what do you have the capacity for? Like, did anyone ever ask you as a mom of two kids what you have the capacity for? You, you might think you should be counting macros, but does, does that even make sense? At 20 years old with no responsibilities outside of paying bills, like, okay, yeah, maybe that makes sense. That's the hard part about our fields too is you have a lot of younger coaches in their 20s, no responsibilities. You're in great shape because you're in your early 20s. Yeah. You're probably yeah. boozing three nights a week, but yeah. it doesn't fucking <laughs> it matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> you're in your early 20s, and because you look this way, it's like it, you think what you do, the rigidness of that is easy for anybody yes. to do. I was there in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I was there in my early Same. 20s. And I look back and I'm like, oh, these people must have thought you know, I was crazy or I sent them down a wrong path. It's because you don't know any better. Yeah. And when you know better, you do better. Right. I mean, I, I was no different. I was like, "What? Do, you have kids, so what? <laughs> right. Like, prioritize yourself. And now I'm like, ooh, so that didn't age well. <laughs> like, <laughs> understood. <laughs> uh-huh. So, yeah. it's It's also taking that into account and... Yes, unfortunately, I think in both fields, especially now, right? Like my field is more accessible because it's of TikTok and Instagram. People see more quote unquote nutritionists. And so a lot of people will compare themselves and they'll say like, oh, well, she can do it and she tells me to do this. And it's like, does does she have the same life as you? Probably not. Yeah, the comparing yourself is tough. Everybody does it. Yep. Yeah. It's it's terrible for your mental health and your your self-esteem. Yes. But it's hard with social media not to do. So how much do you scroll on social media versus just post and then get out of there? Well, right now my phone is basically broken, so unless it's plugged in, I can't be scrolling. <laughs> Honestly, I highly recommend it. If you can break your phone, do it. Um, I actually, so I had really bad postpartum anxiety after my first, and it was 20, early 2021, so we weren't going anywhere, we weren't seeing anybody. So where, where did I turn for advice was Instagram. Mm-hmm. And that was honestly my first realization of what people go through with diet culture. I feel like I had healed my relationship with food long ago. Um, I had issues because of my mom. But mom culture is just as bad as diet culture. And I don't know if you feel that as a dad. but like, I, def- I, I definitely, Sam feels it for sure. No, I don't. No, I don't, I don't. I mean, men are good. Yeah, you guys, yeah, <laughs> you, you guys like let it roll off of you. But that—that's the first time where I was like, "Oh my God, this is what my clients feel every day that they sign on to their social media." Look, like, overwhelmed by information. I should be doing this. I shouldn't be doing yep. that. Yep. And like, I'm doing it wrong. I'm a failure. I need to try harder. I need to just go all in. You know, when really, like, you have most of the answers inside of you. I know that sounds like really woo-woo, but most of us. We know exactly how to feed ourselves. Like, you probably your nine month old is probably eating now, right? Yeah, we're doing that like baby led weaning. Yeah, and she Ter- probably terrifies she probably me though because I see her put like a piece of something in her mouth. Yes. I'm like, it gets and, and growing up with our mom, it was like you're eating chokies, you're gonna choke on everything. Can I confirm that? <laughs> yeah, no chokies in the pool. So I see, see a p- <laughs> <laughs> she said that in the pool. Yeah, that was especially. What's the role. difference between chokies in the pool and chokies Do- on land? Double risk, drown and choke. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, I see her put something in. She's kind of, and I'm like, Sam, she's going to choke. We got to take it out. She's like, no, Mike, she's going to spit it out or just let her work through it. But yeah, yeah, I see it with her. But the cool thing is, and you'll see this as she gets a little older too, is that kids are so intuitive. Like they don't have diet culture working against them. They just see food and they're like, okay, hungry, not hungry. There's no pressure. And they'll, they might eat a huge breakfast and not eat the rest of the day. They might graze all day long. 
And they're not thinking about like, should I or shouldn't I? Is this right or this wrong? Am I a failure or not? And so they're, they're honestly great teachers. But coming back to the social media, I learned my lesson really hard thanks to therapy that I needed to unfollow and limit my scrolling. And so I've done that. And for me, it was more mom culture. Diet culture wasn't, I mean, I get stupid ads all the time because of what people send me, but I'm kind of, I'm more immune to the diet culture stuff than the mom culture. Yeah. When, I mean, social media obviously makes things worse. And I guess there's always been diet culture in our country. I'm I'm sure right from like the Weight Watchers and the Jenny Craigs and, and all of that. So yeah, people could just view working with you as like, I'm going to help you improve your relationship with food. Like that is the foundation, but it's hard because it is the misconception that like, well, she's going to give me a diet plan and I'm going to follow it and I'm going to lose weight. And like, then I got it. Then I'm good. But that's never the case. Mm-mm. Never the case. No. Yeah, it's true. What about, uh, do people ask you about supplements? Yes. I feel like people, that's another, they think it's a quick fix. I'm going to take yes. this, this supplement. And that's a wild feel because it's unregulated as well. Yes. So how do you deal with that? Because people are always going to take supplements. You can't stop it. No, you can't stop it. I mean, I try to, I mean, first off, when you get into the medical field, they tell you the first thing is do no harm. So that's my goal. It's like, okay, is the supplement going to hurt you? Yes or no? And a lot of them know. Like Athletic Greens, I hate. They're so overpriced. They're so unnecessary. (laughs) Sam says the same thing. (laughs) But like, is it going to hurt you to take it? Probably not. You know, so it's like, I have to give people a risk you know, what is it? Uh, risk, cost, benefit. That's not it. You know what I mean? Yes. I'm like a pro con analysis. Yeah. 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 Like a a pro con list of like, okay, this, this is likely not going to harm you, but some of the other stuff out there could very well harm you, you know, especially Mm -hmm. from a lot of these MLM companies. And like you said, a lot of it's unregulated and a lot of it's being pushed by uneducated humans who have no business offering supplements to people. Right. And as everyone knows me, of what the main thing I say is it depends. It depends on the person. It depends on your season of life. It depends on your budget. But like, if you're not doing the basics, what the, what, what's the point of a supplement? The only time that I kind of forego that is if someone's trying to conceive or is pregnant. And I'm like, a prenatal is a good insurance policy because I don't know 100% what you're eating. And that's probably going to be bare minimum to reduce risk of things like neural tube defects. But mm-hmm. outside of that, most people need to be doing the basics better. <laughs> And more consistently and save their money i always say like save your pennies right. and like go donate them to people who actually need them right well, there's, so like a, there's like a pyramid and i feel like everybody flips it upside down the, the top of the pyramid is like supplements and medications and stuff yeah. and everybody's like no we're gonna go this but it's way. Like, that's why i like your house analogy because you can tell somebody like we're working right here in the house right now and at some point we'll work on the furniture you're trying to be on the on roof their... right now right but like <laughs> yeah we're doing the foundation right now yeah And, you know, with my clients, I get to see more of their health history and their labs. And I, you know, I dig deeper too. So I can give them quicker advice on supplements than I could a random person on the internet. Um, I love how people, I have a QA and a every Wednesday on my Instagram. And I love how people are always like, what about this supplement? It's, there's always like. What are common ones that you get? Right now it's AG1, which they're rebranding. It's athletic green. And they're everywhere. I mean, you listen to anything. They're advertising. Um, Collagen's a big one. Creatine. Mm Mm-hmm. I think what else I will always get like brand names and I don't always know the brand names. So then I have to dig nine times out of 10. It's an MLM, um, which I'm always like, I don't care what MLM it is. Don't buy it. Like it's complete crap. What's MLM? Multi-level marketing company. So Uh, like you're 
I don't know if you guys are familiar with all the Herbalife shops in the area. Oh my God, the teas. Oh. Yeah, I got I'm my definitely tea. banned from all of them, by fucking the way. Fucking teas. That fizzled out. When we first opened in 2018, everybody was getting their teas and the fucking caffeine in their teas. And you see one open in every town. There's no way they're still open, or are they? They, they are yeah, still open. They're still there. Yes. Unfortunately. You don't see people bring them in here like they used to, though. Because people feel like crap after drinking them. Because people bring in the cans of energy drinks, well, though. Oh, yeah, that's a whole other issue. Right? That's another mm-hmm. one people Let's, ask, too. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about that because you can look at our recycling bin over there and it's fucking ghosts and monsters and bangs and C4s. And if I had it my way, I'd be like, no, kids, you can't bring it in. It's terrible for you. Done. But then I'd be an asshole adult. And it's 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 tough. But well, And you're trying to be a good like mentor for them too, right? Right. Yeah, that's hard. I mean, the fact that kids are getting energy drinks in their hands is terrifying to me because yeah, they're they go to they Stewie's regulated. And... Mm-hmm. and I mean, I rem- I distinctly remember being in the hospital. I worked on the cardiac unit, one of the units I worked on. And we had people come in for overdoing energy drinks. They had heart palpitations and heart issues from overdoing it. And, like, to me, that's, like, not worth it. And certainly from, like, a kid perspective, I know it's, like, cool, right? Like, I don't know how much you see the prime energy drinks or whatever. Yeah, you know, those two. Because those blew up on YouTube or whatever. Yeah, is that the Paul Brothers yes. or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. It's a pain in your face. Same. <laughs> Um, Bane of my existence. What's, <laughs> what's sad about those is that they're marketed as almost like a sports drink, and, and they don't have not. enough stuff in them to be considered a sports drink. Now, is Gatorade my favorite? No, but at least there's enough electrolytes, enough carbohydrates in there to actually refuel an athlete appropriately. Whereas the Prime Energy Drink, I'm like, there's nothing in here. It's just crap, and it's colorful, and it's like cool. Was one isn't one like unicorn something? Oh, probably. I don't know the flavors of those. <laughs> um, I only know because my nephew like really wanted them, and my my sister in law is like, "What do you think?" And I was like, "I mean, I can't help you from a mothering standpoint, from a dietitian standpoint. I'd say hell no, but <laughs> like I get being a mom, and you know it's hard. Um, but those aren't regulated. They're there's so much like the B vitamins in them alone are like in the thousand percents of what you need in a day. And so most people will notice that like they're peeing out neon yellow, which like cool, like fun party trick, but you don't need that many. And then there's also just so many different additives in there. Um, I'm trying to think of what some of them are like ginseng and um, taurine and a bunch of other things that like we probably don't need in those dosages. And like, why are you reaching for an energy drink? Once again, it comes back to that why. Right, because it's a social thing for kids. It's a, I'm cool. Th- it's a, I'm a cool thing. It becomes a habit to have that can in in your hand. Mm. But yeah, it's not good for you for no. anybody to pump 300 milligrams down their throat in a 20 minute no. time frame. No, <laughs> right? especially as a kid. Yeah. yeah. But what's sad? I mean, you you could also then go back to why, right? Like I always ask the question why. Like I was a college athlete, like, and I was a high school athlete. Who was talking about nutrition? <laughs> Nobody. Right, nobody. Nobody. And the hard part there is like, sure, you can bring a dietitian in. Like, I've been brought into sports teams and it's great, but like, I'm not there every day with them. So I think it's actually better if we educate the coaches because the coach, like, I think of my, some of my favorite humans in my life and it was coaches, right? They had such a big impact on my life. And I wish they had more impact on my health, right? Like, if they had told me that, you know, it's probably not best to drink energy drinks here's an alternative, right? Like, because right. of course you're a kid and you want something cool. We probably all would have done it because anything our coach said was like, you know, the Bible. <laughs> like yeah. we just followed it without even thinking. Mm-hmm. What would be an alternative that you would recommend then for kids to to replace the energy drink? 
I mean, now we have so many electrolyte supplements, right? right. We have Liquid IV, Element, Noon. There's mm-hmm. so many of those that are way less aggressive and actually have what we need. And food, you know, like yeah. kids need to eat food. And so, you know, I think that coming from a coach, then the kid might be able to tell their parents like, hey, like I heard that carbs are good for me. Like, and we can educate the parents because a lot of parents don't know. And they're just buying their kids whatever makes them happy. Or if if everyone on the team has it, it must be right, right? So I don't know that there's a direct, like, great energy drink out there right now. But Yeah. What was the one that advertised as having super creatine in it? That was Bang. Bang. <laughs> it's like it's not what even fu- a thing. What, what is super creatine? like? That's the thing that you yeah. have the whole marketing and the advertising they can front, say whatever too. They want. Whatever the fuck you want. Until you get sued. Which, the, which they, they, look, did, they did. Yeah, they all get sued. Yes, but they'll just ride with it and pay their lawsuits and yeah, move because on. Because they make stupid money. Right. Crazy Insane. money. It's a... Uh, but that's our whole food. That's our whole food industry in our country is crazy money. You have the pharmaceutical tie-in, then you have like the agricultural side of things. Do you ever delve into any of that or no? I mean, yes, I fall down rabbit holes all the time. Right. <laughs> my my problem is, what do I do about it? Yeah, there's. Right? I mean, there's. Like they have so much money. You're like, there's some days where I'm like, why am I even doing this? And that's obviously a defeatist attitude, and I get I pull myself right. out of that. What's but a... like, it's hard because. All of my clients are impacted by this. I'm impacted by it, right? Like, it's a daily thing. Yeah, it's like I told somebody the other day, because I think right, there were elections the other night, yeah. local elections. Yep. And I was like, you know, in like major elections, like us as individuals probably aren't enacting any change. Like, things are pretty set. Like, locally, we can make some change. Yeah, I like went home and watched Netflix instead, instead <laughs> of voting. <laughs> but yeah, it's true. How are you conscious as a consumer Knowing these things, knowing, you know, uh, how farming is, how animals are treated. Uh, are you conscious all as a consumer in terms of what you're purchasing? We try to be. Yeah. I mean, am I perfect? No. No, none of us are. But yes, I try to be. We try to we we try to buy more. Um, I don't know what the right white word is, but like better meat. Right. Like we'll spend our money on it. Like my husband and I were talking the other night of just first off, like the economy is insane and inflation is insane. Mm -hmm. And like millennials are literally drowning, but we spend like, I don't know. I've had the same clothes for years. I'd rather live in the same clothes and buy good food every week, which is what we do. We, we, and granted I have the privilege and ability to do that, but food is our priority. Like we, we try, we don't eat out all that much. We're cooking most of our food from home. We're trying to get fruits and vegetables. We buy local when we can. We use things like Butcher Box to get meat delivered, so it's not always something I have to find at the local grocery right. store. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really do try to, and I feel like we try to walk the walk and talk the talk. Like we have a home gym, we're both really active. We try to set the tone for our kid too, while being conscious of his relationship with food too, right? Like we let him have candy, you know? We, we let him be exposed to that stuff because I don't want, he's gonna be exposed to it no matter what. And so I want him to also know like, how do I feel, right? Like, I, I notice his energy and his demeanor is better when he's eating better. But that doesn't mean that I want him to never be exposed to it. So it's yeah. just finding that balance of like, once again, I want to improve the relationship with health while also optimizing health, which is, or relationship with food and optimize health. I want them to be conjoined. So we all knew those kids in college who had it so strict growing up. Oh, like, yeah. That was you. I lived that life. Sure did. I used to hide Halloween candy in my sock drawer. I don't know why I thought my mom would never go in there, but she did. 
Jeez, dude. I think everybody thinks the Sox Row is like, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like this sacred place that nobody's <laughs> like gonna go right. to. It's like it's the, literally the top drawer. Like it's the easiest, really, most really accessible drawer. What were you? What there. were you hiding? What was your go-to? Reese's, oh, Kit oh, Kat, yes. the good stuff. Because I wasn't like I was allowed to go trick or treating because outwardly that looked good, but then once I got home, the candy was taken away from me. And so to me, it was like, well, of course I want that. It's all I could think about. When, here comes that food noise, right? Like I dealt with food noise because I wasn't allowed to have it. And the second you tell someone they can't have something, what do they want? They want the exact thing you told them you can't have. Right. We're, we're human. And now, like, I don't think I had a single piece of Halloween candy this year. Mostly, I mean, part of it's because I'm pregnant and like nothing sounds good. But like, it's not like I can buy myself a Reese's any day of the year. And honestly, if I'm going to buy those, I'm going to get the dark chocolate ones from Trader Trip. Joe's. Is that, that's confirmed. They're the absolute best ones. Oh my God. They're, oh, they're so, so good. good. So they're good. so yeah. good. Jay, have you had those before? No, I'm not familiar. I'm going to get you some. Oh my God. They <laughs> are hands out. down. They come in this little plastic, like vertical Dude, container. It's dangerous. They're, yeah. so, they're so good. I like dangerous. them too because they're not wrapped. You can yes. just grab them yeah. and eat them. Yep. Yeah. Well, so good. It's that, that's part of the problem. <laughs> Is I can eat them faster, right, and more of them because I don't have to take the time to unwrap it. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot. That's actually interesting. That's something I talk to my clients about. Of like, you know, because they're you look at like intuitive eating and food freedom, and they're like, okay, but there's just some foods that I have no control over, and I'm like, well, part of it's because you're distracted, right? Like you're probably not sitting down and eating that peanut butter cup. How many people now sit down and eat a meal with their family uh, once a week, twice a week? Very that's few. Not a thing. Yeah. Well. You, you guys probably know we, more about this than I do, but, like, think about sports culture. Right. Kids are in sports so young yeah. and so many days a week. Like, we were in rec league. Until, like, I wasn't a competitive swimmer until I was in high school, and I went on to swim in college. Like, I I got to did, be a kid. I was, like, we were talking mm-hmm. about, like, I got kicked out the door. <laughs> like, you, I played with my friends. Did you like swimming? Loved it. I feel like we have a lot of swimmers in here, but they've been That's because doing she it. she didn't have to do it competitively. Right. They've been yeah. doing clubs since school. they were young. So they get to end of high school, they swim to college, and they go, I hate swimming. Yeah. yeah. I would have too. I was a lacrosse player, soccer player. Okay, so you swimmer. did multiple things. I got to do whatever. Yeah, I got to do it all. I will say that's what my parents did get right. I'm not gonna, you know, completely shame them, but yeah. Is that what got you into this field, nutrition field, though? Just the the, the issues you dealt with with food growing up with your parents and. Yeah, I think part of it was subconscious. My, I think my mom struggled with an eating disorder, um, something that, you know, she just kind of hit it, slid under the rug. Mm-hmm. Um, and then part of it was being an athlete. Like, nobody talked about it. And I was a 5'4 swimmer. Like, I'm not, you look at a lot of swimmers now, like, you look at like Katie Ledecky and her wingspan right. is, like, absurd. You know, I get up to swim and I'm like, well, there's a six-foot-tall swimmer. Like, best of luck to me. Um, so I'm like, well, I wanted a competitive edge. So it was kind of both. There was, like, definitely that subconscious of, like, not understand I didn't understand food because it was restricted all the time for me it was it was good it was bad it was you know I'm good I'm bad um and then at the same time it was you know how does this help me from a competitive aspect because nobody ever taught me that right yeah swimming's just one of those demanding sports like it just takes a lot of volume and yeah I think of swimming I think of gymnastics is just being like a lot of hours of yeah. practice every week. I just remember them talking about how much Michael Phelps ate, and I was like, that dude. Well, that's a big dude, too. Well, yeah, he's a big dude, and he was swimming a lot. Yeah. But it's still like, I'm just like, holy, that's like a lot of calories that you're burning. Well, so. and no one ever talked to us about that. Right. The amount of girls on my team that had eating disorders is really sad. 
I mean, I would say that's probably still a thing in, in endurance-based sport. In any sport, I mean, yeah. that's still a prevalent thing. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's like you're dealing... I don't know the claims. I just, see, I mean, you see claims in the news now about kids being, uh, yeah. you know, just. Well, and I mean, you brought up the breakfast thing earlier. I was talking to a girl yesterday about like nutrition, and she's like, I want to put on, you know, a little bit more muscle, gain a little bit of weight because she's going to play college uh, field hockey. And I was like, What do you eat for breakfast? She's like, Oh, I don't eat breakfast. I there was you like, go. Started I was like, You're there. missing. You're missing right there. She's like, Oh, it's not that important. And I was like, It is important. So and good. like I explained to her why. And then I was like. Make something the night before, put it in the fridge. Like if you don't feel like you have time, or just got to be something quick. It doesn't have to be an extravagant no. breakfast, like pancakes and eggs and all this other stuff. Right. But, it doesn't have to be like this TikTok special. Right. It can literally just, just be food. Just something, anything. <laughs> this episode of Off Exit 10 is brought to you by Drink Alchemy. Fatigue and brain fog affect us all, destroying everything we pursue. Whether as an athlete, artist, creator, or entrepreneur, our mind holds the key to performing optimally. By combining the most potent organic nootropics found in nature, Drink Alchemy delivers sustainable boost to creativity, memory, energy, and focus in one epic beverage. Stop pumping your body full of excessive amounts of caffeine and unknown proprietary blends from other energy drinks and get clean energy from Drink Alchemy's natural nootropics like lion's mane, L-theanine, and caffeine from green tea. Used by Olympians, D1 athletes, MMA fighters, and entrepreneurs, Drink Alchemy has become a huge part of my daily routine making sure I'm functioning optimally during long days of coaching athletes, running CDSF, and getting in quality workouts myself. So do yourself a favor and ditch the energy drinks loaded with caffeine, other stimulants, and who knows what else, and head over to drinkalchemy.com today. Live with your mind unbound and save 10% off your order by using code CDSF at checkout. That's drinkalchemy.com, promo code CDSF for 10% off your order today. You don't look at blood work with everybody, do you, your clients, or yes? Almost everybody I do blood work, stool testing, here we visit again, and um, hair test. Yep, poop talk. And then what are the biggest markers you're looking at? It depends on the person. I really, hair testing is great because I'm looking at minerals. So literally the foundation of health of like, are you getting enough calcium, magnesium, sodium, potassium, copper, iron, selenium, like go on and on. And most of that's food-based. Most of that can be fixed by food, which is amazing. Um, on the gut stuff, I'm looking just for dysbiosis, like your, for lack of a better word, I know I just said don't say good or bad, but like your good bacteria versus your bad bacteria. Um, as far as blood goes, honestly, my favorite ones right now are blood sugar based. Um, so your fasting glucose is okay. It's just a spot in time. So it doesn't give us a ton, a trend of it helps. Um, A1C is great because it shows us a three month marker of how you're handling your blood sugar. Um, and fasting insulin. Those three are like my current go-tos because if you're basically riding a blood sugar roller coaster all day, it's going to be really hard to improve energy, fatigue, and weight issues right. and I feel hormone like a, issues. I feel like a lot of people are riding a blood sugar roller coaster all day. Yep. Explain, I know it's simple, but in case somebody's listening and doesn't understand what you would have to intake to make that happen, because a lot of people are probably, this is how they're consuming their foods to start the day. Give me an example of somebody putting themselves on the roller coaster Honestly, right away. Yeah, someone starting without eating breakfast. Someone literally just starting the day with coffee, and that's coffee whether it's black or you know, God knows. You guys ask me what I put in my coffee. I'm like, it's nothing. It's boring, but that's what I like. <laughs> um, I always tell my clients, I'm like, do you like sugar or do you like coffee? Like, it's okay to like either, but like, you're, are you drinking it for coffee or you're drinking it for sugar? Right. So a lot of people start their day with either that or they're eating just like cereal which is just carbs and carbs aren't bad we're not shaming carbs but carbs by themselves basically spike your blood sugar and then it drops really quickly without fat or protein 
com- combined with it, you're going to get that spike. And so, yeah, you might feel like really energized. You think about like a kid at a birthday party, right? Like they get that cake and they're like, you know, so energetic. And then all of a sudden you see them throwing a tantrum. <laughs> it's real fun. <laughs> um, but that is a great example of what's likely happening to you. But you're an adult, so you can't throw a tantrum. So you end up like being sleepy or cranky or hangry or whatever. Or doing another coffee in, in the and afternoon. And that's what happens, right? You reach then then you reach for something and you're like, well, I'm being good, right? I'm being good because I ain't breakfast. So now I'm just going to be good and I'm just going to have a piece of fruit. Okay, fruit's good, but fruit is mostly carbs. So once again, that blood sugar spikes and then it comes back down and then you're hangry again. And then you're going to be good at lunch and you're only going to have like a salad. And and so biggest things I see is inconsistency of eating. So, you know, having a meal maybe by like noon and then eating again at six as opposed to like eating when you wake up eating three or four hours later eating three or four hours later again and then the consistency of what you're eating so not just eating as i call them naked carbs naked carbs are your fruits your sugars your you know cereals crackers cookies pretzels whatever your drinks um and pairing them with something like a fat or a carb to actually help with that blood sugar spike and so the other thing i see and I'm see, I see this a lot with my athletes, is your insulin will be great. And insulin is basically the hormone that your pancreas produces to help you um, digest and absorb your glucose appropriately. It's basically like the key to get inside the cell. Um, that's usually okay, especially in athletes. But their A1C is high. And they're like, why do I look pre-diabetic? And I'm like, stress. Stress will also elevate your blood sugar even in the absence of food. So... You know, if all of a sudden someone came in here and like started chasing us, my blood sugar is going to spike. It's a protective mechanism. Mm -hmm. It's giving me energy into my blood so I can run away from whoever is about to attack me. It's honestly terrifying. I don't know why I said that to like freak myself out. Paul, lock lock the door right now. (laughs) But like that, that is a primal intent, right? Like it's, it's can save you. But the problem is, is that we're constantly being stressed out, whether that stress is lack of food, whether it's lack of sleep, whether it's uh, the news that we're being exposed to 24-7, 365, mm-hmm. whether it's the, your Instagram, your TikTok, like we're just constantly being inundated with stress. And so that that's also a sign to me. And athletes tend to be even more um, likely for that to happen because they also have exercise. And once again, exercise isn't bad. But if you're not sleeping, you're not eating well, you're not managing it's, your stress, it's like you're I, adding to the fire. People have to understand, like, our biology is, like, that of, like, a hunter-gatherer back in the day. Like, that's mm-hmm. how our system works, where, like, something comes at you, you go on a hunt, you know, things elevate, your nervous system it's sympathetically driven, and then you come down, you rest, you eat, you chill out, and then you'll do it again. Not these micro stressors right, all day. Yeah, it's hard in society to to avoid those micro stressors mm-hmm. all day but that's which is why doing the basics can actually protect you from that. right what about what about like intermittently fasting is that something you would ever use with anybody or no it depends for most of my clients no because they are women of reproductive years right and so for them we really want to improve the blood sugar balance we want to also improve estrogen progesterone and with that comes the need for appropriate fueling, which usually is eating every three to four hours, eating enough protein, not stressing the body out with lack of food. Um, for a male, the conversation is different. It's totally possible for a male. Your hormones are just different. You're welcome. Like you guys got the better end of the stick. Um, and so it's not, I'm never a no. I'm just a like, 
It depends. Right. And how are you using it? Are you using it in a disordered manner because you're just saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to be so good and I'm not going to eat until noon and must stop eating at six. Are you doing that because you're trying to control your food or are you doing it because you actually feel better? There's a difference. And some people get that confused because they think they're supposed to feel better. So they just automatically say, well, I do. But do you feel better? Like, especially if digestion isn't optimal, if you're trying to fit 2,500, 3,000 calories as a male into six hours, that's really hard to do. It's really hard to eat enough food and feel good. Yeah, right. You're going to be pretty bloated. You're not going to feel yeah. great after yeah. that. No. So for the people I see at work best for, honestly, are later in life. So postmenopausal women and more older men. And it's because their way of life is a little bit slower, right? They're usually retired. They usually sleep in. Like that kind of works for them. And they're because they don't have a lot of the social aspect to eat with others, it kind of allows them to eat with others when like in that window. And it's not strict, right? It's like I watch my dad and I'm like, he kind of he does it without even realizing it. But he lives alone, like breakfast isn't really exciting and he eats lunch and dinner and usually you know it's with like you know hopefully with somebody for at least one of those meals and you know that works for him and it's fine but for most for athletes for re women of reproductive years almost never would I recommend it yeah what uh I'm trying to think of other like diets that people bring up in here all the time it's on like a paleo was big or like I guess carnivore is what paleo is big yeah. Michael said he was in ketosis the other day. Oh, I just didn't eat because I'm yeah, so busy. It happens to me all the time. It's not good. It's like, Paul, I think I'm in ketosis. It's like I'm hallucinating. <laughs> uh, so, I'm trying to think what is big right now. I mean, carnivore is definitely big because you've got some of these like. Oh, speaking of carnivore, uh, uh, fucking Liver King. Oh, I, mean, I think that, 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 that ship was, has sailed. That ship sailed, thank God. Thank, just, God. thank yeah. God. Yeah, I mean, that's he just, was exposed. Yes. Yeah, taking crazy uh, amounts of steroids, no shit. Dude, I like how crazy. he tried to come back from that too, and I'm like, "Are you like you still are gonna sell all your stuff? Really?" <laughs> I want to know how C how like CPS or somebody didn't show up at his house when he's like feeding his kids like bull testicles, like. Well, well, it's like, or like, how much of that is he really doing? Right. It's just like that's taking steroids question. and eating shit like a normal person. I mean, they were Probably. doing some stuff on camera. I don't know what they were actually eating though. Right. You, right. We don't know. And that's a big thing that I always tell people on social media, too, of like, you don't see the whole story. I don't even share my whole story online. Not that I'm trying to be deceitful, but like, who has time? Yeah. You know, like, and a lot of these creators, they create this persona. And so they, they I feel like they almost fall into that and they, they can't get out of it. And you watch some of the videos. I went down to Liver King rabbit hole, of course, at some point. And I mean, I think like, we all did. His wife, I don't know if she's his wife or partner or whatever. Like the look on her face, you can see that she's disgusted and it never fully shows her consuming something. And I'm like, no chance she was eating that. Right. No. Nor, nor would I recommend anyone do that. <laughs> yes, please don't. Yeah, do that. The whole, the whole creator content, we've talked about this, people that like create a persona, but like, what are you offering to people? What's your service? What's your benefit? It's just like you're creating a persona because. And also, if you have time to be on social media all day, are you actually helping people? Yeah, no yeah. chance. That's that's one thing I, I said to somebody, I forget when, but I was like, most of the people that you see all the time on your social media have that time because they're not doing right. it. You know what drives me crazy is on, if I scroll and I'm just clicking through stories, 
It's people that post their whole fucking day. I woke up at 3.30. First, I'm like, why are you waking up at 3.30? Who wants to do that? Why? No, right? You, you see that? Yeah. Made my eggs. And I don't want to see workout. you at 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. I mean, that's just a deep psychological issue. But like, yeah. Yeah, post but I'm better than day. you because I'm busier than you. Well, that's, you're, trying to ha- you're trying to have people tell you. You know, you're just trying to prove that or have people tell you that because you want to feel that way. Well, I, I talked to some of my colleagues about this, and we get annoyed by some of our own colleagues. And some of the people who are on there more often, they're seeking validation, That's right? That's what it is, yeah. And what's sad is we live in a society where connection has gone down, especially because of the past few years. Mm-hmm. Relationships and connection are so important to health, and it's something that's not talked about. But like doctors should be asking their clients like or their patients, like, do you have meaningful relationships in your life? What are your connections to people like? Are you getting out of the house, right? Like that stuff matters. And the people who are on social media all day, I'm like, there's no chance you have friends. Like if I posted what you posted, my friends would be heckling the heck out of me. Being oh, like, yeah. What did you just post? Yeah, like, I think a, a doctor's ba- most basic intake is like, yeah, are you moving your body every day? Are you, you know, socializing? Yeah, do you have way. meaningful relationships? Are you passionate about anything? Or, uh, uh, what's the general idea of what you're putting into your body? Like, I got a pretty good baseline right now. Yeah. Like, that. those aren't the questions. It's what's your weight? What are your complaints? Here's some meds. Goodbye. Yeah. It's so sad. It is. And, I mean, I work with a lot of clients who have normal labs, and they're dismissed all the time. You, you couldn't possibly feel the way you do. Because your labs are normal. It's like, okay. Uh, Yeah, I feel like with certain autoimmunes, you see that. You probably have labs that are like skewed. Uh, But I'll speak on it. I mean, Sam said it before. Like, my wife has endometriosis. So she spent, you know, her whole teenage years through her 20s of doctors dismissing her. They say it takes 15 years for a woman to get diagnosed with endometriosis. Yeah. Like, how sad? Because we just assume that women should have painful periods and. Like the number, the number of times I drove her to the ER because of period pain is like, I couldn't count them. Which is awful. That's just lazy medical care. Yeah, but it shows how proactive you have to be. She had yeah. to be so proactive. Like we wouldn't have a daughter if she wasn't so proactive with finding the right doctors, getting the right treatments, getting the right procedures. Like not a chance. If she just listened to people, it'd be like she'd be in pain still. We wouldn't have a daughter. It's like. Like we said in the beginning, that's a tough part about our field is you have to be You proactive. have to be educated a little bit or try to educate yourself in some way to be able to ask questions when you yep. go to the, to your doctor's visit or any kind of visit, medical visit. Honestly, sometimes that's what I do for my clients. I'm like their biggest advocate. I'm like, if you don't can't say this to your doctor, put me on the phone because they don't want to talk to me. <laughs> their doctor doesn't want anything to do with me. And, I will, and usually that gets the doctor to order whatever I want. I threaten. I go, I'll talk to them. And they're like, great, whatever she wants. And I'm like, once again, it comes back to connection. Why don't you want to talk to me? Like, I'm not. They know who the sassy dietitian is. I'm not harmful. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm just advocating for a patient to get what they need to feel better because people deserve to feel better. When we had our daughter, we had a a doula. Mm -hmm. And shout out to these two women, like, badass. Because I I get anxious, I get nervous. So I'm like, I don't want to be in the hospital. And I just like, my anxiety takes a hold of me. And I mean, they're asking the right questions, they're helping us make decisions. But, yeah, it's like seek help. Find somebody to help you be proactive if you don't know it all yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame that a lot of those services are not covered outright by insurance. Correct. Which that insurance is a whole, that, that could be, you know, hours discussion. We won't go into that. But yeah. it's not it's not preventative health. It's reactive health. 
And so people aren't getting the care that they actually need before they need it, which sucks. And so unless you have the means or you the resources to know what you need and who to help you, a lot of people don't know that there's help beyond just medication and operations. Right. But it's like it's like where we started today. I think if people just had an understanding of above all of us, you have insurance industries and you have hospitals and you have the pharmaceutical industry. And that's all tied together and that's all for a lot of profit. Mm-hmm. And for that profit comes, you wouldn't think it's a health field, but the expense of our health and the best things for us. So you have to know that exists and you have to be proactive and you have to, I guess, yeah, step outside of the norm because food is so much your relationship with it. It's, yeah, like I'm going to see Laura, I'm going to see Sassy, like because I need to, I need to build the foundation in my house and then we can worry about my supplements. Most people come to me because they literally feel like they've exhausted all their options and I hate that it has to come to that. Yeah. Like I wish that I was the first line of defense. And sometimes, as you guys probably see, like sometimes people have to do all the wrong things before they know what the right thing is. But I think if we had more education in all of our systems that didn't come from big pharma and insurance companies, like I think people would prioritize that more and recognize that. Yeah, so. we, we see that in here. You know, we're a cash-based service and there's there's no training that's covered by insurance. I think some insurance companies will reimburse a certain amount at the end of the year. Yeah. For, for being part of a gym. We see that mostly with our cash-based PTs that we work with, like Pat, because mm-hmm. a lot of their clients first are in this cycle of just not getting better, different big PT clinics, different doctors, and then finally they somebody, you know, they get themselves out of that, they see somebody like Pat, and then they can get steered on the right track. But it's, you have to seek that out yourself. Yeah, which is a shame. And one of my, my friends who's, who's a PA, she's local, um, well, she's, that doesn't live local, but she works local. Um, that's one of the things she's trying so hard to, she's in, I think, Latham Medical Group, and she's trying so hard to get doctors, especially in her practice, to recognize that there are more solutions for their patients than just medication or standard things like personal training, uh, or sorry, um, physical therapy. Right. Like, because, yes, like, standard physical therapy doesn't work for a lot of people because you're you get 15 minutes, maybe, and you're with five other people, and no one's actually ever touching your body or looking at your right. Mechanics. And and a PT and an insurance model has to at least has to treat in, in quotes to what the script says yeah. from the doctor. Yeah. So if I'm treating Paul for some issue at his knee and we're working it, but I go, I think this thing at your hip is contributing to your knee. Mm-hmm. It's like technically, I don't think that's allowed to be done. Which so, is sad. Which is another tough part about yeah. our model. Um, how have you? Because it's just you, right, with your business. How have you scaled it? or set it up where you can you know be as present of a mom as possible and a partner and uh do you have automated things set up or is it always all you responding i will say it's really hard as someone who's very type a and Mm -hmm. has always been someone who like wants to do more not only for the sake of my own health but like i want to do more because this community needs it I've had to take a step back. And one of my friends was asking how my business was like, I don't know, nine months postpartum. And I was like, honestly, it's stable. And I was like, it sucks. And she goes, what's wrong with that? And I was like, that's a great point, actually. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. just in a season of life where my business is stable. I have a lot of ideas that I can't wait to enact when I have time. Um, I use an electronic health record system, which is amazing. It does a lot of automation for me. 
I'm considering hiring a VA to do some other, some more automation because it is hard to what's, do it What's all. a VA? Virtual assistant. Virtual assistant, yeah. So they can like answer emails for you, set up, you know, responders and do all the stuff, the like busy work that I don't want to do anymore. Jay, just yeah. no no $2 VAs from the Philippines? No. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> we were talking about that no yesterday, problem. how we know somebody that does that. And we're like, that's just not cool. No. <laughs> not <Yeah>. at all. <laughs> So um, I feel like I've done that. And honestly, like, I'm just not scaling right now. Like, I am I show up on Instagram when I can. Mm-hmm. I take the client load that I can. And I'm just, I'm kind of just happy being stable right yeah, now. Yeah, that's, that's okay. That's okay. It's okay. And, and because, like, I've dealt with my own stuff from childhood, it's so important for me to be in my kids' lives that that's just where it has to be right now. And I'm thankful that I have a partner who supports me and he's, he does work a corporate job, so it's nice that we have stability there. Um, and so we're able to, you know, he also has a flexible corporate job, which is amazing. So we're able to kind of like tag team and help each other out because we don't have any family local. We don't have that, any help. So That, Laura, I couldn't imagine because, yeah, we have our daughter. It's like I couldn't imagine not having my mom and my mother-in-law around to help. That's it. It's hard. I mean, my mother is no longer with us, but even when she was like, it wasn't, I mean, she didn't, never lived here, but it honestly was harder to have that influence anyways. Right. There's pros and cons, right? We have daycare and daycare has been a saving grace for us. It's part of our, it's like an extension of our village. Um, we have friends. A lot of our friends also have kids. So we're all kind of drowning together. Sometimes it's just having that <laughs> communication of like, how's everyone doing today? Life check. Um, so that's really hard. But honestly, it's just recognizing that sometimes you have to do less now so you can do more later. And I tell it to my clients all the time. So right now I'm doing less in my practice and I'll do more later when I have time so that I can actually be there for my, my, yeah, my kids. Yeah, because burnout is real is real in both of our fields. Yes. And you're dealing in such in such a customer service heavy industry and such in a, you're building relationships and so emotional. It takes a yes. big toll and we all have our own issues. And in here it can be very long hours in this field mm. and it burns people. I would yeah. like to know the rate of somebody that becomes a, personal trainer or a strength coach and how long the averages of their career in this field before they go somewhere else for something more stable Mm -hmm. something with better hours it's a lot of people leave right i mean i was just talking to one of my clients from new york that became a trainer and he loves it and he's still going to do it part-time but he was like i was just getting burnt out from the long hours what they want the corporate side of things wanted um as well and he's like I just, and I also felt like I wasn't able to focus on myself as much. Hmm. And I was like, so he took a step back. He does like freelance media work too. So he's going to still do private personal training. So I gave him some ideas on how he can do that and, you know, still make some good money with it and help a lot of people without having to spend 12 hours a day at a gym. Um, and it's, it's crazy to see like how passionate he is about helping people, but how burnt out you get in the field because of the long hours and yeah the demand it takes on on you mentally well yeah because you're absorbing a lot of what your clients are yeah are telling you mm-hmm. is that is yeah have you had to learn to like i can't take this home I, it's it's hard not to i mean i learned it the really hard way at the hospital right. i i recognized that that clientele was not for me i took every every death was my fault it's <sighs> heavy dude it was heavy jesus um I, I developed panic attacks working in the hospital because I literally thought everything was my fault. And there was nobody there to tell me otherwise, right? Like, they're just like, suck it up, keep going. 
Um, with my current line of work, I feel like I have narrowed down who I work with, that a lot of the issues are the same. Like I find myself repeating myself all the time, which makes it a little bit easier. It's right? almost a good thing. Yeah. It's less, I feel like it's less burdensome. And also like, I don't know, I just, I feel like I have such a good rapport with my clients that like, I, it doesn't bother me that they dump the stuff on me. I actually am glad that it, I'm a safe space for them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them also recognize when they're doing it. So they, they also acknowledge it and say, I'm so sorry. Like I came to this and I cried the whole time and I'm like, it's okay. You know, like, yeah. And it, it does. It takes, I think. We're good for, for one cry we can hear from somebody, Paul. Yeah, probably. I'd say so. <laughs> Crying's normal. Normal, you know? yeah. We, we grew up being told to, you know, suck it up and pain is weakness leaving the body, you know, all those things. And so it's, I tell all my clients, I'm like, it's normal. Like, cry it out, get it out. And then we can actually get to what we need to actually work on. Yeah. Cry it out. And we'll talk about poop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's a lot of, I mean, that sounds like a lot of babyness right there. Babies yes. going on, pooping yeah. and crying. Everybody. Yeah. Babies, yeah. adults. Everybody's got to do it. Yeah, you got to Every, do it. Everybody's doing Not both. necessarily at the same time. No. Well, <laughs> could happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, no, Laura, I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was me. fun. Thank you. Um, If you want to plug anything, go away. And Well, unfortunately, I'm going maternity leave in February has this giant baby in here um but you can find me on the sassy dietitian on instagram tiktok now my website do you read all your comments i was looking you get a lot i used to it's not good for my mental health no way no honestly i have um like an army of friends that do and so if there's people coming at me they're they're on it and honestly it looks better than me going after them so i'm like great love you guys thanks that's pretty that's better than having like burner accounts you just yeah. get your friends to no, like fr- talk my shit friends just do it yeah absolutely oh, that's They're fantastic like, did you see what this person said and i'm like no but thank you <laughs> they could maybe make a career of that shout out to your friends yeah. i know that's just I, I have some great friends and a great support system so i definitely didn't get where i was today by myself so very thankful for that that's awesome yeah. Yeah, that's key that's important Hitler, appreciate you coming on. Follow the sassy dietitian and we'll uh, we'll catch everybody next time. Thank you.